to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Ooh, good to see each of you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to say a big welcome to all those online. Thank you so much. We have a beautiful online church, very faithful each week. And so I want to say thank you to you as well. Uh, so last week, uh, even though Labor Day weekend uh, last week, I did jump into a brand new series. It's our series for the fall, simply called History, all right? History, his story. And my goal in this whole thing is that we would understand that when we can see the history of the Bible, not Bible stories, mm-mm, Bible history, all right? History that when we see the history of the Bible, we see his story, we see our story. For when you see him, you see yourself. When I see Jesus, I see Jeff. That's just the way it works. That's why the word of God just is a mirror of who he is. When I open it up, I see Jesus. But when I see Jesus in the word, I see myself. And he comes right back at me. And so my goal is in this whole series that we look at the history of the Bible. We're gonna camp in the Old Testament. We're gonna look at the Old Testament because the history of the Bible is not to be erased, it is to be embraced. Just like the history of our country is to be embraced. It is not to be erased, it is to be embraced. And I want us to see how rich the Old Testament is. There is individuals that we're gonna look at in the Old Testament that, that we need to emulate today. We're gonna look at Noah today, okay? Noah was one bad hombre. He was a bad hombre before they were hombres, all right? He's just a bad dude. And Noah gets a lot of attention for a big old boat, but there's a whole lot more to Noah than just that, amen? And so I want you to see something as we get into this, we're gonna see Noah. Can I tell you something that you don't know? If you haven't spent much time in Genesis, you need to go there because Noah was living in a time that is so similar to us today. So similar. It says in Genesis that, that as the earth began to populate itself, as man and, and woman began to populate in the earth, that, that people, that man and woman raced way away. They outran, they got away, they, they ran away from the creator. They began to entertain themselves and to give pleasures to themselves. And, they, and, and they, their life became a party and they began to forget who their creator was. Hmm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did we just get transcended back to Genesis? Yes, we have gotten so far away from God that we have assumed that we were the great creator and that life is just a party with no consequences. Oh, my friends, Mm-mm. we're gonna see Noah in the midst of all of that. 
There were characteristics of Noah that stood out to God, the creator. And that's why Noah was the man chosen to build the boat, all right? But I want you to see in Noah is this, that just like Noah was living in a day similar to our day, right? Where wrong becomes right and right is wrong, right? It's messed up out there. I mean, am I the only one struggling with What's going on out there? It's backwards out there. It makes no sense sometimes. I'm like, what in the fat is going on out there, all right? I mean, I'm worried, right? But not worried so much that I'm giving up. I'm worried because it is time for the church to rise up as Noah did, all right? And that's what he's positioned us to do. So we started with this scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, Boy, isn't that nice to say? We're sitting in church, got our coffee, got creamer today. It's not bad and spoiled. It's fresh, right? My coffee's good. It's right temperature. I didn't spill it during worship, thank the Lord. The guy behind me worshiping like crazy, didn't knock it over. I mean, this is a good day today, all right? You got your coffee. Preacher reads the scripture, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, that just made me want to hug, all right? That's a sweet scripture, but can I say something to you? Do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's true? Is it true on Friday at two o'clock? All right. Is it true Friday at 5.30 on Sansi? Mm. All right. Is it true in Walmart when you're in a hurry and you pick that line? You know that line, that line, all right? Is it true when you get that call? When it's true, when you get that word, is it true when things don't go your way? Is it true then? Because it can't just be true when it's true and not be true when it's not true. He's either the same yesterday and today and forever, or he's not. He can't change based on circumstances because my God is not determined and does not fluctuate around circumstances. He does not change like shifting sand. He's solid as a rock and he's the rock I build my life on. He's the anchor that holds my ship no matter the storm. And my God don't change. That's where you've got to go because you've got to determine and resolve in your heart. Resolve means to know before you go, before you ever find yourself there, even if you don't, you got to know that your God's the same. You can't wait and go, well, if it gets really bad, I'm going to believe it. No, it's going to get bad. You better know before it gets bad, because if you wait for it to get bad, you'd probably be tuck tail and run. You got to know your God's the same God. And when marriage gets tough and life gets tough and relationships get tough and, and stuff just gets tough, you can't, you can't be a wet pretzel, man, because your God's not a wet pretzel. Your God's a rock. His name is Jesus. He's strong and mighty. He's everything that we say he is, all right? You gotta understand and know and be resolved that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're gonna wait and answer the question based on how tough it gets, guess what? You'll never get to the question. You won't get there. So we looked at faith because when you look at the Old Testament, you see men of faith. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. If you read Hebrews 11, you're going to see all the people that were in the hall of faith, all right? So faith, faith contains two aspects, and I'll kind of recap a little bit from last week. So intellectual assent and trust. 
You can't have faith unless you have both of those. You got to have intellectual assent and trust brings you to faith, okay? So intellectual assent is simply believing something is true. I just read you a scripture. I said, you believe that's true? You said, yeah, I believe that's true, preacher. Okay, that will be demanded of you. Can I just tell you that? I'm not trying to speak bad on your life. I'm just telling you, you're going to have to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have, all right? Faith without works is dead, all right? So if you believe that, your feet are going to determine that, all right? Intellectual sin is simply believing something to be true. Trust, the other aspect of faith, is actually relying on the fact that something is true. It's not enough just to say, oh, yeah, God saved me yesterday, day for Yeah, I believe, amen. Okay, now you're going to rely on that? Well, you know, I don't know. If I can't do it, I'll, yeah, you know. No, he's either that or he's not. Best idea to show you is a chair. I talked about the chair last week, all right? Here's my chair. It's a good chair, all right? So here's my chair. Intellectual assent is simply this, believing that that is a chair. Anybody have a problem with that? That chair? My brain tells me that's a chair. That's a good brain, all right? So that chair has a purpose. That chair's purpose and design is to hold me up, support me, all right? Now, just because I believe that does not define that chair. Because the other side of that is not just believing that that's a chair and designed to support me. If I believe that, then my action will follow what? What I believe. I will walk over and trust. Yep, that's a chair. That's a chair. It becomes a chair when my trust sits in that chair. When my God is the same yesterday and today and forever. That is true because I can rely on my God. How that's determined is what my faith does. If that God is worth all I say he is, if that God really is the same yesterday and today and forever, my trust, my, not just my intellectual belief, my noggin, my brain tells me that God is that, but my feet follow my brain because my heart has determined that God never changes. And that whatever God tells me to do, I'll trust him. I have a lot of people that believe that's a chair. We have a lot of people that can even tell you that chair is designed to hold you up. That's a really good, strong chair, made of good material. It will hold you up, it'll hold you up. I say, well, go sit in it. Well, you know, I don't know. No, if that's who he is, then sit in it. My God's a great guy. He never changes like shifting sand. Oh, okay, do you trust him? I trust him. When you trust him, you have to put everything you got in it. Some people just trust him right here, but they don't trust him. Okay, faith without works is dead. If I have faith that that's a cheer, but never have anything to prove that that's a cheer by sitting in it, then guess what? It's dead. But it's faith and works working together, and his faith was made complete. Amen. We're going to see Noah living in a day and time where it wasn't pretty. But something about Noah stood out, and we'll look at these qualities in a little bit. So when you talk about Noah, you talk about Noah and the ark. Some of y'all are like, can we get to the stats about the ark? I want to talk about the ark. That thing was big. Yeah, it was big. Let me give you some information about Noah and the ark because some of you are just dying to get some information about Noah and the ark. So Noah was a farmer. Can we give it up for farmers? Amen. Farmer. Noah the farmer. Amen. All right. Noah had three sons. Hmm. Them hombres, I guarantee you. All right. You know some of them. 
The ark was made of cypress wood. Some translations say gopher wood. The problem is I can't find a tree named gopher, all right? So, but y'all didn't get that at all. <laughs> Y'all don't wake up. All right, cypress wood. Here's the deal. Whether it's gopher wood or cypress wood, the bottom line is it didn't leak. So it's good wood, all right? So cypress wood is what they made an ark out of. The ark was 300 cubits long. Let me talk about cubits for a little bit, all right? So 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, all right? Some of you are like, what? Big. Just say big. It's big, all right? A cubit range from 15 to 22 inches. So here's the best way to describe that. If you hold up your arm like this, from your elbow, and keep your four fingers together, please, all right, to the index finger, all right, that right there is a cubic. All right, if somebody ever said, I need you to measure my house in cubics, that's gonna be kind of weird if you walk around and do this, but, but that's what he wants, okay? Just give the man what he wants, all right? So that's a cubic. That's big, okay? That's how big it was. So the ark, it took Noah over 100 years to build the ark. All right, some of you are like, dude, I get tired just mowing the yard. All right, so I'm just saying, you got to suck it up. All right, so, so Noah was 500 when he started building the ark, 500. Some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm wore out. I'm just 50. All right, I'm just saying he's 500 when he started building it. All right, and I'm going to tell you, they didn't have the table saws. They had the whoop, whoop. They had a good saw, good saw, all right? 100 years to build the ark. Some of you say, well, I've, I've heard 120. Well, 120 was kind of the countdown to the flood, all right? That was the countdown to when the, that God said it would, he would flood the earth. So, but we know it took over 100 because Noah was 500 when he began it and 600 when it took off. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. Noah was 600 years old, as I said, when the journey began. Basically what happened was, when it started raining, all right, the, the water finally rose high enough that it just basically picked up the ark, and that's when it took off, all right, all right? On the ark, who was on the ark? Noah was on the ark. His wife was on the ark. We still don't know Noah's wife's name, okay? Just referred to as a wife, okay? Three sons and their wives, plus over 16,000 animals. That's a lot of animals, okay? You know what animals produce, Okay, you understand. It gets a little crowded on a boat after all that takes place, all right? So a lot of people on the boat, 16,000 animals, okay? The ark was three stories high, had a roof and a small opening below. We know that the little opening is where Noah let the dove out when he went and got the olive branch uh, when it finally stopped raining. God told Noah when to get into the ark and God shut the door. That's a very important thing. God told Noah just exactly how to do it. We'll look at that in a little bit. When Noah got on with his wife, his three sons and their wives and all the animals, God shut the door, okay? He shut the door. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Water was 15 cubits high or about 23 feet high. Flood water stayed on the earth for 150 days they began to recede for another 100 days, and that was when Noah let the dove out that found the olive branch that meant it was dry enough for them to get off, all right? Noah and his family were on the ark. Some, some people have always asked that. Noah and his family were on the ark for one year and 10 days. One year, 10 days. Some of you are like, 
Oh, Lord, I can barely handle Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's like two or three days. I'm about ready to kill them, all right? One year in 10 days. I'm telling you, one year in 10 days on a boat with your wife, three sons, their wives, known as daughter-in-laws. I didn't even say anything else, all right? And, and 16,000 animals that are, they ate really good before they got on. I'm just saying, they, they ran out of room. It didn't smell good. There was no potpourri and some, some plug-in incense in that wall. It, it was hot. It was miserable. It stank. It was nasty. One year and 10 days. It, there's a miracle that when they got off, they were still alive and kill each other. That's probably the biggest miracle. So if you think Thanksgiving's gonna be rough, just think about Noah. That, can I just say that to you? Think about his poor wife. She didn't even have a name, all right? Dadgum sons married three chicks. They didn't have names either. It's world coming to. I mean, so, so it can get worse, amen? Couple days of Thanksgiving, you got to smile and say a thousand hallelujahs, amen? Give it up for Jesus. Because you could be on a boat with a bunch of pooping animals for, you know, one year and 10 days. Lord, help, get a diaper. I mean, it's just, that's not good. I'm just telling you, it was a tough situation. That's how long they were on there, all right? Enough of that. After coming off the ark, God showed Noah a rainbow. Remember the rainbow? That was God's idea. It was his and nobody else's. But the rainbow was a covenant, was a promise. The rainbow meant I'd never do that again from God. Never gonna flood it again, all right? Noah lived to be 950 years old. He lived 350 years after the flood. Because a lot of people sometimes think, well, there was Noah and then he built a boat and that about killed him and they had the flood and then he died. No, after all of that, he lived 350 more years, all right? His granddad was Enthuselam, he was 969. Man, that's some kind of family gene, baby, all right? Noah's 950, all right? That's a lot of birthdays. That's a lot of candles, all right? But I'm saying is, a lot of people think he just died right after the, no, he did not live for 350 years after the flood. So I want you to go to Genesis. In the short time I got, I am gonna go fast. You gotta listen quick, all right? Uh, I wanna look at some things that set Noah apart because, listen to me, I'm not doing this, this history uh, series you know, the same guy just to entertain you with stuff like the ark stats, okay? What I'm saying is Noah lived in a time very similar to us, but he was set apart, okay? What set him apart? What needs to set us apart, all right? Genesis chapter four, I want you to look at a verse, and I don't know that you've ever seen this. There's just sometimes that God just puts a verse in the Bible and you're like, wonder why he put that right there. That's a very interesting placement. What's he saying? God doesn't do anything by accident. There's a purpose for this. I want you to see this, okay? Genesis chapter four, look at verse 26, just the B part, second half. Genesis 4, 26. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Hmm. I remember the setting, populating the earth. They didn't got crazy, all right? It, they forgot their creator, a lot of stuff going on, all that stuff. But Jesus slides that in there. He slides that in there because he's about to unpack that, all right? I wonder, 
I wonder. I wonder what we're doing right now. We know the times we live in. Is the same said about the church, little church, corporate church? At that time, men, women, began to call on the name of the Lord. Speak Jesus. That's what we just sang about. Anybody speaking Jesus over our nation? Anybody speaking Jesus over families? Anybody speaking Jesus down your street? Anybody speaking Jesus over schools? Anybody speaking Jesus over the White House? You want something to shift? You want a game changer? You want to change something? Don't turn on Fox and gripe and throw, you know, styrofoam bricks. Just speak Jesus, all right? We already know it's crazy. You need one other person to get on TV and tell you it's crazy? I don't think so by now. You ain't caught on to that. You turn your keys in, all right? It's crazy. Somebody got to start calling on the name of Jesus. Genesis 5 is a genealogy of those individuals. Just tucked right in there. Because I think sometimes we get Genesis 1, 2, and 3, read about creation, we jump over to 6. Oh, I want to read about the flood. 4 and 5 is power pack, man. Power pack, genealogy. Men who began to seek after the Lord. So I wanted to call your attention down to verse, I mean, chapter 6. We got to get to the good stuff. Genesis chapter 6, look at 5 through 7. Genesis 6. So here's God's interpretation of what's going on. And the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of his thoughts and his hearts were only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was full of pain. Mm. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I had made them. Woo, that is not an exciting passage of scripture. God says, I am done with them. And some of you are like, that's what we need. We just need another flood. Be careful what you hope for. You might be in it. Just saying. Be careful. We know it's not coming again. The covenant was set with the rainbow, the promise. God don't break promises with you or with what he says to Noah. God was grieved over the people. But I want you to look at verse eight. I love God's buts. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Can I say something to you? There is a favor of the Lord that is on people's lives. If you are chasing, following, pursuing, you bear his name, you're living the way God called you to do, there's a favor on you, man. God's got a, he put a favor on you. In, 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 in Proverbs 3, 4, he says, I pray that you have the favor of both God and man. Yes, there is the favor of the Lord. Things just work. Things just go. Things just connect. God just drops angels. God just makes things happen. I mean, you can be on your way to the mountains, cruising with your family for vacation, all right, trying to get in there before the sun sets, all right? Coming through that big old long stretch, it just, boy, oh, just a beating. And you finally get to Cimarron. Right before you get into Cimarron, you go, bam, tire blows out on your tray. You're like, seriously? 
Seriously, I went to church this week, right? Sorry, that's how some people think. But I'm saying, you, so you pull over to the, I'm sorry, and you pull over to the gas station and you're like, now what am I gonna do? Your family's there, y'all loaded down that trailer, man. You don't know what to do. You're like, I don't know, I'm so in Cimarron, New Mexico. What the heck am I gonna do? I, I gotta get to the mountain and get to the cabin and get this trailer unloaded before the sun goes down. What am I gonna do? All of a sudden, this guy walks over from the gas station. He's pumping gas. He says, hey, man, pretty sad. That's big old, that's bad blowout right there. He said, you, you obviously not from here. No, sir. You know anybody in Cimarron? I don't know. So he writes down a name and address. He says, that's a good buddy of mine right up the road. You take a left and then a right, and you're going to see his station. I'll tell him you're coming. He'll fix that flat for you. Well, man, it's after five. No, I'm just saying, he'll be there. So you go up there, and he fixes that flat. He doesn't just fix the flat. He just, he just lavishes the love of the Lord all over you. He stops you in your hurry to the mountains. And then you get to the mountains, you unload, and you finally get your kids in the shower and bed, and you go to bed and wake up the next morning, everybody's asleep, and you walk out on the balcony, and you hear the big old elk in the background. You see the mountains. You see the sun coming up. And you go, God, thank you for your favor. I didn't know a so in Cimarron, Texas. You sent an angel at a gas station. I don't even know his name. He gave me an address. I went to another angel of yours that owned a tire shop. He fixed my tire for my trailer and for my family. We got to the mountains. Everything's unloaded. My kids are in bed. They're safe. They're sound. They're clean. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. And we're going to have a great time in the mountains. And I just want to say thank you. Can I just tell you, sometimes, man, things just work out for God's people. Just supernaturally. I had breakfast with a guy. That he bought a house recently in New Mexico. They found the house. They wanted to close on it. They had two more weeks to, to, for rent. And they, it, she told the realtor, he told the realtor, I need, to, I need to be able to close on this house in two weeks. You're not going to close in two weeks. It's about three months right now. They're, they're overwhelmed. COVID just crippled the whole state for two years. We're backed up. I mean, there's just no way. Two weeks, there's no way. I've been doing this 41 years. You're not going to get a house closed in New Mexico in, 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 in two weeks. Well, that's what I need, and that's what I'm asking God for. Okay, a week went by, and they closed. Why did that happen? Because God just gives favor to his kids that bear his name. I'm just telling you. So Noah had favor. He had favor. Let me show you in Scripture. I'm going to take you on a little Bible drill here, and here's some flipping of pages, all right? I want you to go to First uh, Peter. I got to go quick. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 3, look at verse 12. For the for first Peter chapter three verse twelve, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. His eyes roam to and fro. He knows, man. Go back to Second Chronicles. Good Bible drill today. Second Chronicles. All right. Go to Second Chronicles. All right. Go to verse. Uh, go to Second Chronicles sixteen. Look at verse nine. Second Chronicles 16, verse nine, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done foolish things and from now on you'll be at war. But what does his eyes do? He goes throughout the earth. God sees it all, man. Sometimes good things just happen. Sometimes favor just happens to God's people. Noah was a man that found favor with God. When you chase after the heart of God, God sees you chasing his heart and he will give you favor, I promise you. So what else did Noah do? Look at verse nine of Genesis chapter six. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time and he walked with God. That's a beautiful thing to be said. 
and he walked with God. I want you to look at Noah was a righteous man. Right? Noah lived in a time where righteousness and right living was not popular. Sound familiar? When wrong looks right and right looks wrong, when everything's backwards, when it's confusing, when it doesn't make a lot of sense, same times that Noah lived in. But, but the Bible says that Noah was a righteous man. But can I say something to you? If you're here today and you've been born again by the Spirit of God, but there's been a time in your life that you've given your life to Christ and you've been born again, guess what? You can do right because when you got saved, the Spirit of God came and lived inside of you. So the righteousness of Jesus lives inside of you. You were made right because of Jesus, because of Calvary. You were once an enemy with God, but after you got saved, you became a friend of God, which bestows on you favor because now you can live right. So a lost man, he can't live right. Why? Because he don't have nothing in him to make him live right. But a saved man, he can live right. Why? Because the righteousness of Jesus lives inside of him. So you can do right, be righteous, and live a righteous life. Why? Because Jesus lives through me. I'm going to tell you something. Don't tell me, oh, well, pastor, it's just tough right now to be right and do right and live right. I mean, my gosh, nobody's doing it anymore. What's it matter? What's it matter? I'll tell you what it matters. You bear his name. You bear his name, man. Be Noah. Live a righteous life when right is jacked up. All right? Stand out because he sees you just like he saw Noah, and he will bestow favor on you. So when your kids come home from school and say, everybody's doing it, mom and dad. No, let me tell you something. Not everybody's doing it because you're not going to do it. So if you're not doing it, squash the definition of everybody's doing it because not everybody's doing it because you're, you're somebody, you're not doing it and not everybody's doing it. Do not do what everybody's doing because most likely what everybody's doing is wrong. Stand out, be set apart, be different. Noah was and God saw him and gave him favor. He said, well, it's tough. It is tough, but since you died to self and the life you now live, you live through Christ who gave himself for you, Galatians 2.20, you can do it. The more I'm alive, all right, the more I'm alive, the more unrighteous I live. The more I die, the more righteous I live. That's backwards. Uh, excuse me, this is backwards to the world. This is backwards to the world. When you die, he lives through you. As long as you're alive, you're gonna live for you. But if you will die to self, he'll live through you. You can live righteous because the righteousness of God lives inside of you because of Calvary. Not only was he righteous, he was blameless among the people of his time. Woo, what a statement. He was blameless. He was blameless among a people of his time. Can I say something to you? Character and integrity still matter. We need to know that. Because living in a day and time, man, where it's not celebrated much anymore. But I'm going to tell you, character and integrity still matter. Being a man, a woman of God that honors God, a man, a woman that does the right thing because it's the right thing to do is still, still important. And we're living in a day of time where it doesn't make no sense. And everybody's kind of deceiving and, 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 and you don't know who to trust. And I don't know what's going on. And this all looks muddy and messy and nasty and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. That's when you walk like Noah. You walk upright with the favor of God, living a righteous life, blameless among the people of his time. That's how you walk. Because character and integrity matter. 
and he walked with God. Boy, what a statement. And he walked with God. Matthew 6, says this, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be added to you. I want you to go to Proverbs. Proverbs 8, give you some good little nuggets right here. Go to Proverbs 8. Might not have seen Proverbs 8 before. Proverbs 8, 17. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me and those who seek find me. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Mm. I want you to go to Psalm 27. Go back a little bit to the left. Psalm 27, verse four. One thing, mm, one thing, that's what the Bible says. One thing I ask of the Lord. And this, this, this one thing is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing I ask. Can I say something to you? You find mm, what you seek. I always remember that. You will always find what you seek. If you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you'll find that. If you're seeking it, you'll be a Jones and don't even know why you're a Jones, all right? If you're trying to do this and you're seeking after it, you'll find it. If you're trying to seek this and that's what you're seeking, you'll find it. If you, if you seek it, I guarantee you, you're gonna find it. The question is, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? You'll find it. I always know that. You say, well, I, I, Pastor, I don't even know how this happened. I don't, I don't know how I found myself here. I don't even know how I got myself here. I don't know how I got in this situation. So let me help you with this. So you're a grown adult male who drive a 3,500-pound vehicle with a pair of keys, you cranked the car, you pushed on an accelerator on the right and sometimes tapped on a brake and went through red lights and four-way stops and got to a place, you parked it, went inside, you're sitting here now, you ordered this and this is where you are, but you don't know how you got here. No, that's what you seek because you will find what you seek. I know this about man, okay? We do what we wanna do. We find what we wanna find. We seek what we wanna seek, period. And if what you're seeking is him, oh, you run after him and seek him, you'll find him. He says, he who, find, who seeks after me will find me. He said, I'm not hiding. You wanna pursue my heart? Oh, I'll make, make my heart your heart. What are you seeking today? Genesis 6, 22. I don't wanna miss it. In the middle of all this, between 6.9 and 6.22 of Genesis is when instructions came about how to build the ark. Do you know that? He says in 6.8 about Noah found favor. 6.9, he says, Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless and he walked with God. And then the instructions came, detailed instructions about the ark which would occupy his wife, his three sons, their three wives, and 16,000 animals, all right? God said, I'm gonna bring a flood to wipe everybody out because my heart is grieved that I made man. But I've chosen you, Noah. 
to be blamed, because you're blameless in a time like this. I know your heart. I know I can trust you. And he says this about Noah in verse 26, 22. Six, Genesis 6, 22, right after the instructions of the ark. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Oh my gosh. Noah did everything God commanded. Everything just like God commanded. Everything. You say, well, Pastor, I can't do that. I can't, that, I can't do that. I can't do everything just as he commanded me to do. Yes, you can. Listen to me. You got a flush thinking, thinking, man. You know what happens to a toilet that's not flushed? It stinks. Flush your mind because you can do everything God commanded. Why do I know that? You'll do that when he has your whole heart. When he's got all of you, buddy, you'll do it. Because here's what I've learned about man. When God's got a man's heart, God's got that whole man. Man or woman, don't matter. He pours concrete around it and ain't nothing gonna move him. Another man can't talk him out of it. No money can buy him out of it, nothing. God said it, he did it just as God said. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. He chased God, he seeked God, he sought God. Here's an interesting thing that you don't understand about the ark. That sucker was big, amen? Big. But you know an interesting thing about the ark? Probably the most interesting thing about the ark? It had no steering wheel. <laughs> I want you to let that sink in just for a second. Oh my goodness. They were on the ark for one year and 10 days. And he never, ever, ever steered it. Never. You know why some of us are struggling doing everything God commanded? Because we have the steering wheel of our life. I'm gonna tell you something opposed to a great country song. Jesus don't need to take your wheel. He needs to throw the stinking thing out the window because you were never designed to have a wheel. He is your wheel, your guide. He's your compass. He's your creator. This is what drives your life. Not your feelings, not popularity, not money, not income, not a job title, not your wife and how hot she is. I'm just telling you, that was never none of it. The most beautiful, most, I mean, incredible thing about the ark was it started to lift when God sent the rain. He put it in motion <laughs> and then he parked it. Does that make sense to anybody? You didn't hatch yourself, my friend. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's room and he calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. And he says, I have a plan set in motion before the creation of time, good works and things that you will do for the kingdom of God. And you will get parked by me when it's time to get parked. And no man can decide that, only I do. You wanna be like Noah? Take the steering wheel that you've been keeping your paws on and throw it out the window. 
and do this. Oh yeah, that's a chair, preacher. And I believe that chair is designed to hold me up. Then sit in it. Without a steering wheel, baby, sit in your chair and say, God, I trust you. I don't even know how you're gonna steer my life. I don't know how you're gonna make anything good out of my life. I think my life is terrible right now. I don't even know what I'm doing. Well, good, then you shouldn't be driving. Let me have it. Trust me and I got you. I got you. I got you. The ark represents the church, represents Jesus. We want another flood to wipe everybody out. God said, I'm not sending a flood. I'm raising my church. I'm raising you individually as a little church and we as a corporate church. We're the ark, man. And we got to sit in the seat and let the God who created us drive us because we don't have a steering wheel. Don't. He didn't trust Noah with it. He doesn't trust you with it. (laughs) You say, well, I'm a good guy. You're not as good as you think you are, right? Let him drive your life. I'm gonna invite you to stay in church. Is it messed up out there? Pretty messed up out there. Guess what? It messed up out there for Noah too. But he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was a righteous man who was blameless in his time and he walked with God. Mm. And Noah mm, did everything just as God commanded him to do. Good for the little church, good for the big church. Amen. I don't want nobody steering this church but the one who died and built the church. I'm not touching that steering wheel as a senior pastor. I know better. I'm gonna let the one who died for the church steer the church. I'm just gonna be busy being the church. Today, I'm looking at a whole bunch of Noahs. No, I'm not insulting the ladies. Y'all look pretty. Y'all are pretty Noahs, all right? We live in such a time as this. But you know what God's looking for? A bunch of Noahs. A bunch of Noahs that he can bestow his favor on, that live a righteous life, that are blameless among their time, that walk with God, and that are careful to do everything that God commanded them to do. And you know what will happen? Your family will be saved. Your children will be saved. Your nation will be saved. Let me pray for you. If you're on the ministry team, I want to invite you to come down. This altar is going to be open. Join me as we be Noah's. We didn't want this time, but it came. It's been entrusted to the church. Let's be worthy of the time that God's put us in. Father, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We adore you. We magnify you. We praise you. By the Holy Spirit of God that has already spoken to each person in this room and even online. God, may we say yes to what you said. May we surrender and take our hands off the steering wheel of our life. Just throw the steering wheel out the window and trust God and sit in the chair 
because you've got better for us than we could ever think or imagine. God, we love you. Be honored by this time as we worship you in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.